0: Father God, would you speak to us through your word? And uh, would our hearts be changed by what we hear? Would we be those who love Jesus and uh, live for him and live in light of what he says? Amen. Amen. So first we're reading from chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Click over the page, we're going to read from chapter 7, verse 24 to 29. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Please keep your Bibles open. And so the children have left for their group. um, So I'm going to ask you a question. What does a successful life look like? What will a successful life look like? Come on, I'm, I'm asking for some al- answers here. So, what will a successful life look like? Are you talking about worldly success? Chuck some ideas out there. Being, what? Happy. being happy? happy? Okay. So, success is happiness? That's, that's an interesting one. Yeah? Being fulfilled, so being loved? Yeah. Being happy, being loved. Two good answers already. Happy. Sorry? Happy. Being happy. healthy. Thank happy. you. So, a successful life is presumably a long life, not a short one. Um, yeah, and I think, I think there's lots of ideas out there, isn't there? So, and it is the question that we're asking, isn't it? Because we're, lots of people, are, we're, we're all wanting to be successful mm-hmm. in life. Wanting our life to count for something, to mean something. And... Uh, I guess many would say stuff like status and long term security would be a good thing. So money is just security, it's long term security. Something that lasts and actually I think that's probably the one thing that we can agree on. People have different ways of looking for it, but something that lasts because success if it's if it's fleeting, well what's the point in that? Something that lasts. And even his ideas inside the church, there's lots of them, aren't there? What does a successful Christian life look like? And yet the truth is, lots of our ideas don't sound too different from the world's, because we say things like, money, health, good job. That's what we really think is successful. And yet I think the thing we can agree about success is that we hope for something that lasts. Something that will last. And the rest of it, well, it does depend, really, on whose perspective you're going for. Because from our perspective, success is all of those things. But what about God's perspective? For quite some time now, we've been in these chapters of Matthew, where Jesus has been describing what the blessed or favoured life is that's why I wanted us to read those opening verses again because every verse starts with blessed yeah. and it's the, the first description of this life actually is that it's blessed it's favored and when we started this series Mike told us um, we've got to get the first thing right which is that this life is a gift is someone who is blessed, someone who is favoured, is, is, is given, is received. It's not something that's taken by force, something that he gives to us. So that's the first description of this life. But then we quickly saw, didn't we, in those verses, that to all other appearances, this life doesn't look great. It doesn't look great. Let's look down at those verses in chapter 5. Those who are poor in spirit, who mourn, who are meek, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and who are persecuted for it. To all appearances, that doesn't look like a great life, does it? Hannah's question is quite a good one. Is it worth it? That's the description we saw. And these... These people are the favoured ones. Their life is blessed. Jesus is turning our whole thinking upside down here, isn't he? Because we'd say the opposite of that. And But now, right at the end of Jesus' sermon, he's still describing that life. The blessed life. The favoured life. And he shows it as being a wise life. Because it is built on Jesus and his word. And that's what we're going to see tonight. We're going to see that a favoured life, a blessed life, is a wise life. Because it has been built on Jesus and his word. So that's your first point on your sheets. Taking Jesus at his word is building on a rock. Let's read verses uh, 24 and 25. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. The wise life is simply the one that takes Jesus at his word. The life that was shown to be wise is the one that's taken Jesus at his word. And Jesus says, they've heard what he said. And they do what he says. There's, there's a response. There's some kind of change, some difference that his words have made. And it's a life that's shaped by Jesus' word. And God's word bearing fruit. We saw that in the last bit that we looked at in Matthew. That those who have lots of words and say, Lord, Lord but actually it's the one who Tis the will of my father. And actually the person in, in the earlier section with the prophets, they, were, they, were, they sounded great on the outside, but actually they didn't bear good fruit. There was no proof. So the, the favoured life is shaped by Jesus' word and it bears fruit. Um, actually this has been a theme running throughout the sermon. Um, so there's been plenty of times where Jesus has talked about a righteous life righteousness and we tend to think of righteousness as perfection because we think of Romans and righteousness so we think of how Paul talks about righteousness but this righteousness is actually living rightly yeah so it's not the finish. it's not saying it's perfect it's living rightly and Jesus says that all the way through doesn't he so he says that blessed are the people who hunger and thirst for this right life, who desire it. And then he says in verse 16, in verse of chapter 5, he says that everyone will see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, and then in verse 20 of that same chapter he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. In verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, Don't practice your righteousness just so others can see you and think you're great. So it's not a kind of showy-offy kind of goodness that others can really think is amazing. And then in verse 33, at the end of chapter 6, when Jesus is talking about what to live for, what we should be concerned with, He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So really the theme of right living has been the content of Jesus' sermon, hasn't it, throughout. And so this is what Jesus is saying a blessed life looks like. Someone who is living according to God's word. And he shows us what that looks like. And yes, it will be faultingly uh, they, they will never be in our own strength. But nonetheless, there will be some evidence of these words in practice. The brand new life. And it's what Jesus has been describing. So in chapter six, we saw, uh, Chapter 5 we saw there's a new result to anger. That's actually reconciliation with other people. Um, there's a new desire for their enemies... For them to be saved. There's trust instead of worry. Knowing they have a good father. There's a substitute to selfishness. Wanting for others what they want. And there's a new approach to criticism. Which is humble and helpful. So these are just some of the things. But this is what Jesus has been describing. And their righteous life. Those who have been given. This new life. Will be seen to be good by all and it will be seen by all and it will exceed that of the Pharisees and we've been seeing them haven't we that their most narrow applied application of God's, Lord, God's command well it just was just nothing really it was what they can't do rather than what God's law was for so how, how great it was and how loving he is so his commands will dwell richly in these people and the spirit will work it on their hearts and it will bring about change. So people are taking Jesus at his word and it's having fruit, it's bearing fruit. And Jesus says that, doesn't he? He says that Bless, uh, everyone then who hears these words and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. On hearing Jesus' words, the key difference will be that something happens and that something is done about it. Um, it won't just be sort of heard and, and that's it. And um, actually, I think one of the first things that happens that prompts this kind of change is, is a humble plea um, and I'll get to it in just a moment. A humble plea that says, "God, I'm not like this. I'm, I'm just not like this. I'm not self-controlled. When I see people, where my eyes look, I'm not self-controlled. I'm not faithful. I'm not truthful. I'm not gracious and kind to those who hurt me. I'm not genuine." I mean, we can say that, can't we? Um, God, I'm not, I'm not I'm, I admit I'm not genuine. I, some, I often do these things for, for, the, for the praise of other people. I'm not heavenly minded. I don't put my treasure in heaven. I'm actually putting a lot of the things into the now. And so this is, this is the key difference. On hearing these words, the doing of these words starts with a humble plea. God, I'm not like this. Please make me like this. God, I'm not like this. Please make me like this. And that's that's a big difference because if you hear God's words, and we'll see in a moment, that isn't the cry of your heart, and there's no response, then that then that's that shows that there's um, there's no real faith, there's no real relationship. And yet the person who says, God, I'm not like this, please make me like this uh, will be changed <laughs> as they ask that. They will be changed. God will God I mean we've just read, haven't we? Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find. Not and it will be open to you. Your father knows how to give good gifts. Ask him. And I've I've heard a quote this week which might help, and then we'll get to onto these people on the board. Um, The quote says this, Jesus is not saying that those saved would have earned their salvation, but that the reality of their faith will be made clear by their faithful lives, their fruitful lives. Jesus has just made the point that a person's deeds show what the person is. And that words are not the significant thing. It's one thing to hear what is said and even to approve of it. It's one thing to hear what he said and even to approve of it. It's quite another to obey, to do something about it. Um, Have a look at how Matthew draws attention to this kind of response to Jesus and his authority. So if you look at the end of this chapter, the last two verses, just after Jesus has spoken these words, finished what he's saying. Matthew says this, and when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So the crowd are astonished that Jesus spoke these words with authority. He has authority in what he's saying. It doesn't say that it necessarily did what he said or responded to what he said, but said that they could recognize that. And then, in, in, this is what we're going to see next week in chapter 8. Um, so that was, he taught with authority. Next one. The first guy you meet in chapter 8 is a leper who's unclean, outside of the community of, of uh, Israel. And yet he comes straight to Jesus. Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. So, Matthew's showing us what taking Jesus at his word looks like. We don't have to imagine it. He's shown us people who heard probably a lot less than the people who were in the crowd because he wasn't there. And yet he recognises the authority of Jesus and he makes a beeline for him. And it's a personal request, isn't it? Make me clean. If you're willing... You can make me clean. And the next person that we meet is another bloke. And he's there in the second bit from verse 5 onwards. And I think I put on your sheet, it's verse 8, where he says to Jesus, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, and I say to one, go, and he goes. Do this, and he does that this is a roman centurion and he's not a jew and yet he's seeing that jesus has authority and what does he do he treats him he he responds to him with with that authority and he his request is completely helpless but he knows that jesus can do it so so jesus matthew's showing us Jesus has just said the words. Everyone who hears these words and does them. And then we get these examples. Taking Jesus at his word. He's the one with the authority. And he can help. And he can save. And. um, And we know, don't we, that the act of obedience really reveals what we really think of the person speaking. So. Eddie's obedience to me will relate, will show what, what he thinks of me. The relationship that we have, whether I'm, he thinks I'm loving, or whether he thinks I'm uh, impossible to please, or you know. And actually, the relationship with Jesus will result in obedience. Whoever hears these words, and of mine, and does them, will be like a wise man. So that's the first builder, and he's built on a rock he's made a good choice and he's, put, he, he's secure well why does it matter what we do with Jesus and what, why does it matter what we do with his words and it's a good question to ask and Jesus answers it in verses 26 and 20, sorry, 25 he answers it he says this And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. As Jesus has done throughout this chapter, towards the end of his sermon, he brings into view the coming judgment. It might not seem that to us, because, you know, those words, we just think of rain and wind and that kind of thing, but that's what Jesus is speaking about. You can see that by great was the fall of it. It fell at the end. And the destruction that we saw earlier on in this chapter. As Jesus has done, he brings into view the judgment's come, and he says it's like a coming storm. And in God's providence, we don't need to try hard to imagine what that's like today. Do we? We don't need to try hard to imagine what a coming storm looks like. In fact, I knew about this storm on Tuesday. I knew it was coming. And there were certain things I did to get ready for it. And the wheelie bins in Dagenham, I've seen, they didn't stand a chance against 60 mile an hour winds. What did you do to prepare for it? Tie something down in your garden? No wheelie bins. Okay, well, wonderful. Well... Hannah got me to pull Eddie's sampet in from in the middle of the patio against the house and to put loads of heavy stuff on top of it. Because uh, it has got its plastic. Still didn't work. Blew all over the place. Um, Jesus says that the test is not what's standing today. Jesus says the test is what will stand on that day. And and the picture that he gives us here is of coming judgment. And he says that what will stand today is not really relevant. What will stand on that day will, will be in, incredibly relevant. And um, the life that is seen to be transformed by Jesus' words, well, that will stand. Uh, the brand new people need not fear that day Because it will reveal that God's word has been changing them week upon week. And Jesus says, and they will not fall, because they are founded on the rock. And then, and then we get the warning, don't we, in verses 26 and 27. So let's read them together. It says this And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. So building on the sand is only hearing. It's only hearing you can see that the conditions for hearing are just the same that's what he says everyone who hears these words are mine and Jesus says those who only ever hear are in danger of the coming judgment and it's a loving warning he says it so that there would be no self-deceit and people who think they're his disciples but they face a shock that they never knew him as we heard last week, our day will expose profession to be empty. Just words. What they'd heard, well it didn't ever result in a heart response. They sat and listened and there was lots of hearing. But it didn't go much further or deeper than that. It was never acted upon and it brought no visible change. There was never any fruit The kind that Jesus has been describing, anyway. A movement away from thinking only of themselves towards loving others. And Jesus says, Those who only ever hear, they're in danger. Jesus' message couldn't be clearer. The day that is coming will reveal what we made of him in how we have responded to his words. Which leaves us with the question: What about me? Am I listening? And I want to just say there's three kind of people who might be here tonight. Um, There might be people who who are here for the first time. And actually, the wonderful thing is that you've gone from not hearing to hearing. You've gone from not hearing to hearing. Because you've heard what Jesus has said. And he's speaking to you. It's great to go from not hearing to hearing. But already you can see that the Christian life is about responding (laughs) to what we hear. And it would be great if you did that. It would be great if you heard what Jesus is saying. And you saw that he is the one who has authority to speak about these things. And maybe you've got questions about that. It would be great to be someone who goes to him for those questions. And asks him. And finds out. And it would be great to see that alternatives may look much more impressive in the short term. But according to the Bible they will end in disaster. It might upset you to hear that what will matter ultimately is not what you manage to accomplish. But whether you have listened to Jesus. And as we saw last week Jesus really is the only way to eternal life. So that's the listening. Maybe you're uh, used to being in church. Jesus shows us, doesn't he, that it can be deadly to think that just because we're in church hearing the Bible that we are Christians. If he shows us that listening is all we're doing, it's to warn us that we're not right with him. If we don't really want to live his way, We've not really seen who Jesus is. Or the new life he offers us. Well perhaps you're a believer here. So there's the in and out. Perhaps you're a believer here. Jesus says that his word will change you. So we can expect and ask him to do that so when we go and read from our Bibles when we meet with him and we hear him speak to us be expectant that he's changing us um, that that what he says is actually going to be true of us might not see it now but ask him And, um, and be expectant that he will hear that prayer That he will continue to grow these things in you. And that others will see it. That the righteous life, the life that he has won you for, the life that is in Jesus and through Jesus given to you, is going to be brand new. Let's pray. Father, our hearts deceive us. We can assume that we're accepting your words and yet our lives are far from what you say. Please forgive us and help us to hear both your clear warnings and the promise of safety spoken with the authority of Jesus. Help us to listen to him. Amen. Amen.